Welcome to The Backbone, a journey inside finance at a startup. I'm your host, Shabam Data at Shabam on Twitter. On The Backbone, we're obsessed with finance and operations at startups. We take a close look at finance functions within various startup companies by talking to finance leaders that are in there day in and day out. We chat startup finance, metrics, operations, and everything in between. Joining me on this episode of The Backbone is Ankur Bansal, Head of Finance and Business Operations at Snaptravel. Snaptravel is the world's highest grossing AI-powered chatbot, helping customers book hotel rooms globally. Ankur is an operator, investor, and leader specializing in the internet sector. With over 10 years experience scaling and managing businesses within large public companies to startups, Ankur helped scale the business from infancy to currently doing $120 million in revenue top line, 2 million plus users, and $22 million of funding raised with over 80 employees. Prior to Snap Travel, Uncor co-founded SnapSaves, a B2B2C play in the grocery space, bootstrapped the business to $5 million in top line in 11 months, raised over $10 million of VC capital, and eventually ended up negotiating a successful eight-figure exit in month 12 to Groupon. Ankur spent the early part of his career both as an investment banker at Deutsche Bank and an investor in private equity with the Gores Group. So without further ado, let's hear from Ankur Bansal, Head of Finance and Business Operations at Snap Travel. Good evening, Ankur. Thanks for coming on The Backbone. Got a lot to cover, so let's dive right into it. You know, you started your career as a software engineer at IBM and then completed the trifecta of management consulting, investment banking, and private equity before co-founding SnapSaves, a company that eventually was acquired by Groupon. And then prior to SnapTravel, you spent a couple of years at Groupon as the head of business operations for Groupon's restaurants and leisure and activities vertical, as a mouthful. Uh, so talk to me about your epic journey into tech and your current role at Snap Travel. Yeah, thanks. Um, thanks for having me. So my, my interest in tech was always there from day one, um, except I always wanted to build a foundation that I can leverage in uh, a technology environment. Um, basically, after doing uh, my undergrad, I started to go into finance, did banking and PE, and then uh, wasn't really into going doing the whole B-school route. So uh, took a flyer with a couple of friends uh, and started SnapSaves. Things went really well. Um, and we ended up scaling the business quite, quite significantly. And as a result, got acquired by Groupon. Um, that, was, um, that happened in a pretty short period of time. Um, and that's when I really got into the whole startup uh, scene where I really enjoyed uh, my journey and uh, I wanted to sort of do it one more time. Um, I had some personal considerations in uh, returning to Toronto. So, you know, as I was networking with my friends and my, my contacts in the Toronto early stage tech space, um, I got introduced to Hussein at Snap Travel. Um, and that's how I ended up uh, here. Um, basically, my background was in e-commerce. Um, especially e-commerce that's hyper growth, extremely price sensitive, very, very large volume, very, very thin margin. And uh, what Groupon was, and uh, it's sort of very similar at Snap Travel. Gotcha. So before we dive into what Snap Travel is, uh, I couldn't help but make the joke that you just love working for companies with the name Snap uh, in it. 
Yeah, it's complete coincidence. <laughs> so, so tell me about Snap Travel. What does the company do and what is it all about? Yeah, so Snap Travel is basically working at the, at the intersection of technology and travel, where on one hand, from the travel perspective, we are an online travel agent, just very much like hotels.com um, and OTA, as they call it. Um, where we sell hotels, we sell hotel bookings to customers like you and I. Um, this is where the interesting technology piece comes in, where instead of using a website or an app, we sell each and every booking over chat. Mm-hmm. Um, so we call leaders in conversational commerce, where we are the dominant player in every uh conversational medium that's prevalent today. So whether it's WhatsApp, SMS, Facebook Messenger, Slack, Viber, you name it, and we're there. Um, We're now doing over 110 million top line, 80 employees. And when I started, I guess it was like one or two million top line and like five employees. So all that has scaled, all that has scaled all over chat. So that's that's the really cool aspect about Snap Travel. Um, and the real the real thesis here is that humans are quite used to talking to humans, other humans or conversing before buying travel. So the classic example is your travel agent that your mom and dad probably use. Um, so we're not really changing consumer habit too, too much, but just adding scalability to that model using our AI powered chatbot. Uh, which is infinitely more scalable than a human human powered conversation. Got it. Got it. Now I've checked out uh, Snap Travel, obviously, and, and even um, used it for a couple of my bookings. But um, for maybe someone who's not as familiar, uh, walk me through an example of like how I would engage with Snap Travel as a like you said, like an average Joe, if you will. Yeah. So you can you can discover Snap Travel through a variety of means. Uh, you can get referred by a friend. You can find us on a Google uh, paid ad. You can find us um, on you know Facebook ads, Instagram ads, um, or you can simply just open Facebook Messenger, search for Snap Travel as you would type a friend's name, and we would just pop up. And all you need to do is start chatting as you would chat with a friend. So it's supposed to be um, super easy. Uh, day-to-day style conversational uh, conversation. So for example, you can say, looking for a hotel in Vegas uh, tomorrow night, right? And then the bot will detect all the intent parameters in that message and ask you follow-up questions like your budget or how many nights. And then and then you can go all the way through to the final booking um, in within the chat medium. Oh, wow. That's really cool. So uh, it's essentially putting the travel agent, quote unquote, in your pocket and right there in Facebook Messenger, something that you're used to conversing with, uh, maybe with your friends and family, but uh, it's literally your travel agent, quote unquote, is there as well. Yes, that's right. So so a way to think about it is you get the best deals with us and the concierge services for free. Awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. So switching gears now a little bit, staying on Snap Travel, but um, the company recently raised $21 million in Series A. Congratulations. Uh, led by Telstra Ventures and Stephen Curry. Yes, the basketball player. So uh, you, you've also now worked on raising a debt round. Um, talk to me about the considerations as a finance leader that one should consider when determining their capital structure and finding the right balance between debt and equity. Yeah. So thanks. First of all, um, this is an interesting one, right? Cause, um, it's, it's never easy to determine that optimal balance. Um, we obviously locked in our equity round first, 
um, there were many considerations um, when raising that that money. Um, obviously, not all dollars are equal. Um, you want the right equity investors on the side of your table. Um, you know, equity investors by definition uh, are more concerned about the upside and not afraid to lose the money, and hence really, really want your business to succeed. Um, so it's very, very important to have the right investors on your side. Um, that said, equity investment comes at a cost, which is dilution. So one of the one of the offsets to equity can be a very interesting offset can be debt. Um, so um, it, it's really all about determining what kind of stage and age and what type of business model your company has. Uh, for example, if your if your company has doesn't have too too much burn. Um, maybe you know incurring some debt with with payments is not such a bad option. Well, in the other case, you might want to go a little bit heavier on equity. So, which is which is much more patient capital. Um, so, those are some of the considerations we took. Obviously, for our company, because of the couple of uh, business model features that we have involving working capital, um, we did not need too too much capital. We did not need too too much um, mm -hmm. equity capital. So we raised um, a good amount from Telstra and staff and then uh, tacked on a $6 million piece of, of debt from Silicon Valley Bank on top of that. Gotcha. And so uh, logistically speaking, um, you mentioned that you, you obviously raised the equity round first. Now, um, were your like as you were going through the raise, um, what were some of the diligence factors that came into play for an equity investor versus a debt investor? And then specifically, did you let the equity investors know that you're also going to tack on this debt piece? Yeah. So again, so again, keeping in mind the very very simple framework of risk versus reward, um, equity investors take or, or seek much higher reward. And hence, they're willing to take much higher risk, right? So we started with equity investors um, and their diligence obviously entailed um, looking into our numbers, repeat rates, repurchase rates, marketing efficacy, LTV cap, basically very, very standard e-commerce uh, metrics, marketplace e-commerce metrics. And then they dove deep into things that are much more nuanced towards travel. So. Uh, as you can appreciate, travel is a much more episodic uh, activity. Uh, mm -hmm. Two Ubers a day sometimes, but people travel on an average in American travels once every 10, 11 months. So um, things around, you know, searches and repeat searches and travel intent, a, a lot of deeper travel metrics were, were looked into by our equity investors. And, and that helped them craft a thesis on how sticky our product is, how valuable our product is for our customers. Um, <clears throat> that said, the debt investors were a lot more concerned about return of capital, so preservation of capital that right. lending, we're lending $6 million to Snap Travel, can we recoup that, right? So, so if you have a strong balance sheet, which is a result of an equity capital raise, um, it it really helps debt investors to get comfortable with your with your with your credit. So, um, hence, typically you try to raise an equity, uh, a chunk of equity capital first. Um, investors typically don't care too too much. Um, they are typically sitting at the very bottom of the cap structure, anyways. 
So um, they don't necessarily seem to care that much on balance. And uh, once you have the equity piece figured out, then you can go to the bank and say, hey, we really want to turbocharge our growth. Um, would you be interested? And the answer is typically yes. And then it comes down to negotiating the terms. Right, right. And so the other component is obviously on the, the debt side um, is negotiating the interest rate and uh, amongst other terms, obviously. But to the extent, like, obviously, there is some sort of advantage that you get when you have an equity investor already as part of the round, or maybe just a couple of months ago that has put in equity into the company. Um, how did that help in, in terms of negotiating a, a favorable rate for Snap Travel? Yeah, so, so there's a couple of things, right? So first of all, <clears throat> the, the type uh, of investors you bring on board speaks volumes about the quality of the business. Um, and if the right investors are on your side, it's a signal to the debt investor, the bank, that this company has potential. Um, and what that really means is that they could be 10x in two years or one year, and they would need a much bigger debt facility or, or many more debt products or many more banking products. And hence, we represent a huge opportunity to this debt investor. So that's number one. Um, number two is from an interest rate specifically perspective, my belief is that someone on the bank side on the bank side is doing a very simple IRR calculator, just like how anyone on our side should do, which is what we did. So you have several components that contribute to that IRR, right? You have fees, upfront fees, mm -hmm. you have standby fees, you have warrants, you have interest rate, you have this fee, that fee, like there's a whole bunch of stuff that sure. and all that really results in a debt instrument is what the net IRR is. And that net IRR is what the bank makes of you. So it really comes down to like having a very open and transparent conversation that, hey, we're not as sensitive to giving you guys warrants, but we're much more sensitive to interest rate for whatever reason. And the banker is pretty, if the banker is clever, they'll be like, sure, we can, you know, figure out a deal. <laughs> it can be a win-win situation. So it was a whole bunch of that where, with some of them, we were, you know, talking about tweaking amorts. With some of them, we're talking about like tweaking warrants. And with some of them, we're like, well, why don't we keep the interest rate low? So it depends on which bank cares about which terms or which parts of the term sheet. Um, and you and you play along with that. Got it. Now, one thing I want to dig into being just a huge basketball fan myself is what was the process of involving Steph Curry in the round like? And talk me through that. Yeah, so that was that was that was super cool, super interesting. So. Um, actually, we were we were um, going forward with Telstra, and Telstra uh, has a relationship or had a relationship with Bryant, who's Steph's manager. Um, so Steph is, you know, interested in early stage investments, not only because he likes them, but also because you know, as as a professional, he's trying to think about his uh, post. NBA future and, you know, trying to create a portfolio for himself. Um, so that's how, um, especially in a city like San Francisco, where there's so much tech, it's, it's mm -hmm. hard not to have a relationship between venture capital and, and professional sport. So that's how Steph got involved. And uh, for us, it made a, a ton of sense because we're a B2C uh, brand. We're a B2C company with 80% of our business in America. And it just gets us instant credibility and trust when we can say Steph Curry invested in us. Um, so think of, you know, creating a brand new name, 
competing with guys like Expedia and Booking.com, the first per, the first thing everyone asks is Snap Travel legit, um, and that and having right. Curry's brand name associated with us really helped us address that question. Yeah, that's interesting and, and a very good point. And so um, I guess, you know, uh, not to continue to harp on this diligence point, but like for, for someone like Steph coming in, does he rely a lot on the lead investor who in this case was Telstra? Um, because his kind of reputation and, and brand, like you said, is is on the line as well. So how was that process and, and dealing with that aspect of it? Yeah, so there's, there's two pieces to it, right? So even though Steph Steph came in through Telstra, Steph and Bryant, um, you know, did the initial diligence um, with us. Well, it, it mostly involved, you know, understanding the business, what our vision is, what our mission is, where do we see the market going? Um, at the end of the day, we're playing in a space called travel where everyone has a view on it. Um, so it was more about at a high level understanding what we want to do with this company. Um, and then, yeah, when it came down to like the nitty gritty, the deep numbers, the deep dives, all the analyses, they pretty much relied on the lead investor, which was Telstra. Gotcha. That makes sense. Switching gears now a little bit from a snap travel and to you, um, you know, you don't come from a traditional accounting background that many finance leaders have. Um, you have a diverse background from investment banking, consulting and private equity, like we discussed, not to mention being a founder. Um, so how has that helped you think about finance and operations at Snap Travel? Yeah, so so my role really is not just finance and operations. Um, I've pretty much operated in, um, uh, I would say, a co-founder capacity where um, I see myself enabling Hussein uh, to do what I think a CEO of a $100 million company should do. Um, which is spend a lot of time outside the office, meeting the right people externally and, and, you know, things like that. So my role naturally becomes making sure everything internally on the business side is working smoothly. So um, obviously finance uh, becomes finance is something that it's table stakes for me, given my background. And, and even within finance, I view controllership, which is much more CA, CPA, E in nature, um, but in travel, the corp dev, uh, which is the M&A capital raising piece and the strategic finance, which is relations, uh, company modeling, mo you know, basically having a budget and forecasting and then keeping the company on track, um, sort of predicting the future in quotes. That piece was is how I view the finance function. Um, and I have a I have a person on my team who's a CPA and she helps offset that missing CPA piece in, in my profile. Um, but at the end of the day, my role is a lot more than just finance. Um, I have a lot of, uh, I spend a lot of time contributing towards the leadership and strategy of the company, that function, um, getting involved in operations, our inventory, our growth and marketing teams, uh, even getting into product when it, when it comes down to it. So, so it's a holistic business role. Um, with a slightly stronger flavor of finance is how I would describe it. Um, and that's a function of me really coming in um, as the first five, six employees in the company. And that was the first business hire. Um, so you tend to, you know, get involved in pretty much everything. Right. You wear a lot of hats and which has been a common thread uh, that's come up in, on prior Backbone episodes. And I'm curious because everyone has a their kind of unique way of doing it is how do you 
manage and prioritize the various, you know, different things that will come up, come at you throughout the day, because you're not only looking at, at finance, you're also looking at ops and HR and legal and, and, you know, the plethora of, of uh, things that you need to look after. How do you prioritize for yourself and block and tackle? Yeah. So there's, there's a couple of ways, right? So the first thing is, um, I try not to be a superhero. Um, so if I need help, um, I proactively uh, hire people, uh, build my team. Um, I don't want to jeopardize the mission or the or the goals for the company by trying to do everything myself because I've seen that enough times it doesn't work. Um, number two, I try to use external advisors like our lawyer or our external accounting firm um, in the right amounts and the right balances. So if, for example, a supplier contract has to be renegotiated and the only thing that's changing there is uh, from monthly payments to weekly payments. Um, I have enough legal knowledge that I can go in and make that change on my own. And I feel pretty confident that I can run with it. Um, but in some other cases, um, I rely on legal advisors, uh, external legal advisors a lot more. Yeah. So it's, it's basically developing a right portfolio of resources for myself. And then it's just pure time management. Um, I dedicate certain days to, or certain parts of my day to like no Slack, no email and actually getting work done, like doing my job. And then, you know, other certain parts of my day to meetings because meetings take up a lot of my time. Um, so it's, it's a lot of it is that, um, at the end of the day, my role in the company has been, um, starting with doing everything. And as those functions merit hiring a specialist, going out there and hiring that specialist and teaching them and coaching them and grooming them and making them self-sustainable. So I did that with supply. I did that with growth. I did that with finance, accounting, um, probably going to do that with strategy. So at the end of the day, it's, um, it's about acting as an incubator for, for functional leads. That's a good way to look at it. And last question here before we jump into our quick fire round, and that is, in your opinion, what is the importance of the finance function at a high growth technology company? Yeah, so this is a great question. Um, one of my favorite books um, talks about uh, uh, the best CEOs, um, right? And either they're great operators or great capital allocators. The way value is created in any company, in any operating business is by either operating really well or allocating capital. And I find in the startup world, in the early stage tech world, uh, CEOs are great operators. Um, so I try to be the other side of it, which is a great capital allocator and bring that sort of thinking to the table and help the company, you know, get both those skills and, and achieve the goal. So I think that is really where the finance function can add tremendous value to a CEO, which is typically a great operator by helping them uh, allocate resources, whether it's just money or hiring or, or human resources uh, or whatever in the highest return areas possible. So, um, so, so the company can achieve the most uh, mm -hmm. uh, out of what it has. That makes a lot of sense. That's a, uh, you know, I've, <laughs> 
heard a lot of different answers on, on, on the importance of, of the finance function, but no one else really tying it to uh, and, and stating it that way. So that's uh, that's really cool, really helpful. Uh, what I'd like to do now is jump into our quick fire round. And so the way this works is I'll ask you a couple of questions. You'll have uh, 10 to 15 seconds to respond to each. How does that sound? Yeah, sounds good. All right, let's do it. What is your go-to online resource for all things startup finance related? Yeah, so it's it's uh, basically Google, and then I do a site limited search for Medium.com. Um, I find that people who have written original content on Medium on various finance topics uh, being really helpful. Um, at my level, I'm not really looking for theory. I'm not really looking for how to build a model. I'm more looking for mm-hmm. thinking and vision. So that really helps me. Nice. Uh, you touched on this a little bit. What is your favorite productivity hack? Uh, favorite productivity hack is well, there's two. One is the snooze feature on an email, which reminds me to follow up in two, three, four, five days. And then the other is emailing um, to my email in Trello and having the email become a Trello card and following it up in Trello. Or maybe, nice. So, yeah. Combination of email and Trello. What's your uh, email client, by the way, that you Gmail. prefer? Nice. Um, what's one thing you don't leave the office before finishing? Uh, my unread email count is down to zero. Oh, interesting. And uh, what's one tech jargon that makes you cringe? Leverage. Cool. Uh, <laughs> you probably hear a lot of that uh, in, in your role, especially um, going through a recent uh, debt round. Yeah. <laughs> what's the uh, best advice you've received so far in your career? Um, the best advice is that, uh, for, at least for me, is uh, you got to always keep in mind the big picture. Um, startups especially are so so volatile where the ebbs are really deep and you know the highs are very high and the lows are very low whatever to say um and it's very easy to lose sight of the big picture so always 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 keep in mind the big picture and remember why you were put in the mission that's uh sage advice well thanks encore it's really been a pleasure chatting with you and and learning a bit more about snap travel your recent uh, equity and debt raise and the considerations you had to make um for each what it was like to bring steph curry on board your equity round and and really how you leverage i know you hate that word <laughs> um your your various experiences in um providing optionality and, and providing the other side to the ceo uh, in terms of being an operator and a capital allocator really enjoyed the chat thanks again Elk. awesome thanks Siobhan. good luck all right take care bye, bye.